Welcome to the Creative Bar Podcast. My name is Masha Tisa. This is a podcast where we help you get to your full creative potential. I am so honored by the constant feedback I keep getting on Instagram. People loving on the podcast and just like making, telling me the good things, the suggestions they want, the topics they want, and just any kind of feedback. I really, I just want to say that I really appreciate feedback. It really motivates me because honestly, there are some times... A kid did not if it were up to me, I'll have already closed this podcast and stopped podcasting a long time ago. I don't know why the self just crops up once once in a while. And so when I get those comments of people who really love certain recordings, I really get so encouraged because it really makes me feel like I'm doing something really meaningful and someone is really getting inspired by the kind of work I'm putting out. So there's this particular song that I really love. It has really, it's been kind of like my song of this year. It's called Silence by Pompey. All you need is to see a mustard seed. To be specific, it's all you need. And in faith, just speak, and it shall be. Lazarus Aligone is what you should see. Get a vision and call it hey, silence. Yeah, funani silence. When it uja kawala la, there funani silence. Speak what you want to see. Declare what you want to be. Osati silence. There funani silence. I'm strong. Yes, so that's the song. Please, uh, you can go listen to it. I think my whole point before we just go into today's discussion, speak what you want to see, declare what you want to be, silence that enemy. Silence. Any of those things that are telling you you're not worthy, that project you're doing is just going to fail. It's not going to fail. Speak what you want to see, declare what you want to be. Just silence. Silence the enemy that just wants you to be silent. Speak. There are funani silence. Speak what you want to see. Declare what you want to be. Osati silence. There are funani silence. So today's guest is very interesting. First of all, because I learned so much from her. Number two, she's a hard worker and she's published and she has an amazing book. I think you guys need to buy. I kid you not, you guys have to buy it. Our guest today is called Sakina Taki. She's the author of my little yellow book. And so today's recording is just a process of asking her all the questions I've been having in my head. A disclaimer, uh, Sakina was in Zanzibar by the time we are recording this. So you might hear some people talking about background. That's because she was in a restaurant. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Sakina Taki to the studio. Thank you. Thank you so much. So excited to be here. Yeah. I'm so happy that we, are, we, we, we get to do this interview as well. As I get to understand the process behind um, this amazing book. And I must say, by the way, I love the cover. It's... I think it's very creative. Mm-hmm. It's very catchy. I even tried to wear yellow today. <laughs> yeah, yes, I can see you. You put up with the theme. <laughs> um, 
when I saw the book, it's called My Little Yellow Book. I was wondering, maybe, maybe you're someone who likes yellow and just so many other things. So, first of all, congratulations. When did you launch the book? Thank you. Uh, the book was, was launched on Saturday, um, which was, uh, was it the 5th? What was, look at me, I've even forgotten the date. Tenth it was the 10th, the 10th of July. Tenth yeah, of it was 10th of July. Uh, the launch took place at Serena Hotel in Stonetown, Zanzibar. It was in the evening, 4 to 6, and it was beautiful because it was uh, just by the ocean. So they have the dining area just by the ocean and that's where we did the book. So as people were listening to talks on mental health, they were listening to the Minister of, of Trade, they were listening to the entertainment and the thought of music being played. You could hear the waves, you could feel the ocean. So it was just beautiful. So what was the reception like uh, when you launched the book? So um, they were... Whoever I went to invite, so, you know, being in Zanzibar, you have to advert to the culture over here. Everything is done very personally. And that's why I came here to invite each and every individual personally. Uh, and, and I handpicked who should attend the event. Uh, it was everybody who would appreciate the topics, people who would advocate for mental health. Uh, so they were very excited to come for the event. And uh, the books were on sale at the event and also, um, during the event, I gave out these pouches for uh, as a giveaway. So every time you bought a book, you'd get yeah you'd get a little uh, kitenge pouch, absolutely oh. free. And uh, this was uh, courtesy of Aromas of Zanzibar, a lovely local store that makes kitenge products. So everybody was so excited uh, for the book and the bag. And uh, what I did is the program was designed in a bookmark. So every, I, I tried to keep everything to a book theme, you know, every, every something that a book lover would, would appreciate. Yeah, I can tell you are a very organized person. Like you really took time to plan for this, um, for this launch. Is it something you've always wanted? Well, to begin with, yes, obviously, since I was a teenager, I've always, since I started writing poetry, I always uh, wanted to launch a compilation of my poetry with a dream. And I, when I was about 18, 19, I, lo I launched a book called The Epitome of Sacrifice, which was also a poetry book, but it was self-published. You know, I was still a child. I, I didn't know what goes on in the publishing field. So this is my first book, I'd say, um, as a, a professional writer, as an author, my first real publication. So obviously it was a very exciting process. A lot of hard work went into it. Um, I think I have been away from home for over about two months trying to organize this launch, trying to get things, you know, get everything to, together. Uh, and I had a team behind who worked so hard. I had my publisher, Joyce, my designer, Alia. Uh, I had uh, the, the IT head, um, you know, Zuheb. I had Arnold and I had a dream team. And the, you know what they say? They, they say the teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. And even at the launch, I had people assisting me here with the guest list. And I had uh, uh, like Aromas of Zanzibar who was there to take care of every single detail. So a lot of effort went in, but I saw that every time I put in hard work, I was yeah. blessed to have people who would, who appreciate the concept and put in their hard work and, and then it just turned out to be beautiful. I wanted the launch to be something uh, very, very personal. So I made sure at the reception while people came in, I was there to welcome them. So that is something oh. that, that they really liked and appreciate as well, being, uh, you know, being uh, welcomed by the host of the event. So that really added a personal touch to it. 
Yeah. And you and you and you launched it in Zanzibar. Exactly. Is there a particular reason why you chose Zanzibar? When I was suffering from uh, mental health conditions, the place that started to heal me <clears throat> was Zanzibar. This is where my healing process started. I've lived in Zanzibar for one year. After that, I moved to Dar. I lived in Dar for another one and a half, two years. And it's Tanzania as a country that healed me. And since it started in Zanzibar, I wanted to honor this island mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, like uh, a tribute uh, to the island. And that's why I launched it in Zanzibar. And also, you know, um, my little yellow book, every time you purchase it, 10% of the sales goes to Tamani Foundation. Tamani Foundation is located in Matemwe, which is the north of Zanzibar. And uh, what they have is they have hotels and all the proceedings from the hotels, all the profits go to a school that they run behind. And I used to work at Tamani Villas as a manager and I used to volunteer at this school. So it also has a good cause, which is yeah. in Zanzibar, 10% uh, of all my profits go to a school which is located in Zanzibar. So this was a perfect place for me to launch. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Um, now, you've mentioned about you, you had a struggle with mental health. And now I want us now to go back, go way, 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 way back from the beginning when it all started. So you can just start right. by telling us who is Saki Nataki and take us through your journey. What is this, what is this uh, that you went through that really informed you to write this book, my little yellow book? So who is Saki Nataki? Well, um, well I'm, I'm somebody who was born and brought up in uh, Nairobi, Kenya. Um, uh, grew up in all the Kenyan ways you can you can imagine, and uh, I, I went to uni in in Malaysia, and that's where I used to carry around a yellow book where I used to write my poetry. And now you'll come to find out why the book is called My Little Yellow Book as well. Started writing poetry when I was in grade six, and um, when I came back from uni, I realized that I had misplaced my yellow book. Now this yellow book was a place where I used to express myself, where I used to write down my emotions, where I used to write down my poetry. And I felt like I've lost my past, but also I don't have anywhere to write down my future. And when I lost this yellow book, I felt very unstable. I felt lost in life. Um, and you know, life was just kind of upside down. Anyway, life moved on and uh, I got into a relationship that was not very pleasant and uh, it didn't end well. And when that happened, it kind of shattered me. I think they say the worst experience you can have in life is that of, a, uh, is that of love, because it can either go really well or it can either go really badly. And uh, mine wasn't very pleasant. So what I did at that time is uh, somebody had offered me a small project in Zanzibar. I did not think much. I did not look right and left. I just packed my bags and I came to Zanzibar. Now. I didn't have a lot of money in my pocket. The first four nights I spent in my office space next to my, op next to my office table, and that's where I slept for four nights. Figuring out, what am I gonna do here? Where am I gonna stay? It's a place where I know nobody. And uh, that's exactly where I started. And uh, as I came to Zanzibar, the culture here is so different. The, the, the environment here is so different. Uh, people here are accepting. They, they are, they're so friendly. 
Like I came from Nairobi. That's a space that if somebody is even walking behind you and you notice you you cross the street, you know, if somebody is trying to be friendly to you and say hi and he's a stranger, you run. But here it's culture. Every yeah. you have to greet everybody on the street. And I don't understand that. I'm like, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> you know, why does everybody keep saying hello to me? What do they want from me? Then they have this concept of the baraza, whereby every house has like a seating place outside. And now in Nairobi, if you ever see a stranger sitting outside your house, you would call the cops or yeah. you know, it would you would get edgy. Here, anybody can come and sit outside your house in the baraza. It's just a place for people to sit and relax. So I remember where I started staying, um, I, I, I told that the lady that, you know, there are random people just sitting outside the house and it's a bit scary. And she laughed and said, no, 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 that's the Zanzibari culture. Like you can literally, if you get tired on the road, just sit any baraza you feel like. And that feeling of acceptance, you know, of uh, you can be yourself here. Um, there's no judge, there's less, less judgment when it comes to people. And then, I mean, you're right by the ocean. And what I realized here is Tanzania as a country, they are people of, uh, of oneness. So when you're, when you're working with people, when you're in that environment, it's just very therapeutic. Sometimes it's not all about chasing the money, it's about the cause. And a lot of people here, even now when I've come to, to do my launch, a lot of the people work for the cause. And this concept was exaggerated when I started working for Tamani Foundation. As I said, the foundation has uh, villas at the forefront by the beach and all the profits from uh, those villas go are channeled into a school. So I was working in a place, imagine going to work each and every day thinking, you know what, these kids need to study. I need to make sure the guests come and these many bookings are done. So next term, the kids can go on this kind of a trip or the kids can have this sort of a book and the kids can have a better life. And that's your aim and objective of work. So every day you're going into work, you're going in with a purpose. Then I started spending time with the kids in the village. Um, you know, before assembly, I used to play with them. And you know, all these these um, games that we learned as, as Kenyans, or we used to play like this nyama, 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 I used to jump up and down. And, you know, and that's what I used to play with them. And I just started realizing how it started healing me. You know, I was in a place of depression, I was broken, I was alone. And all of a sudden I had these bunch of kids who never saw me for anything else but myself, where, you know, used to give out so much love. I was so happy among them and I just started to heal. And I realized that when you give what you get in return, it's, you can't place any price tag on it. Yeah. And that's how I started to heal from depression among those kids in the village. The most expensive thing I could buy in that village was mangoes. <laughs> For the first mangoes. time in my life, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, money is, is a bit insignificant to me right now. Yeah. You know, what matters is, is these kids, what matters is school. It's also, so that's how my healing process started. Mm. And, um, you know, then I went to Dar and the healing continued. Uh, then I, I got married and I went to Nairobi again. I settled there and then COVID hit in 2020. Yeah. And uh, when COVID hit, I mean, I think there were some employers who really misbehaved. Yeah. They really misbehaved. And, um, you know, I was, I was in company of one of them who, who 
honestly used to bully her her uh, employees and and i would say it, it, you know it's it's very ashamed to do something yeah. like that and i decided i'm like i cannot be treated like this you know i'm somebody who work, i'm somebody who worked very hard um i i've had i've had jobs where i have exceeded so if you're telling me i'm incompetent because of a pandemic i mean yeah. i think you, you you know you have to know how to lead uh anyway I decided, you know, I'm not going to work there anymore. And uh, I was very, I was, I, I felt, I felt very, um, I don't know, you, you know, you feel like you're lost because you've worked all your life. All of a sudden, bam, in a month's time, you don't have a job. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember my husband sitting me down and telling me, you know what, maybe this is a time where you can do what you love. There are very mm -hmm. few people in this world who have the time to do that. Why don't you do it? And yeah. maybe he was saying that to just make me feel better. But I took that. I took his advice. And I did two things. One, I started farming. I, I have a garden at home and I started farming. Mm -hmm. And two, I started writing. I went mm -hmm. back to poetry. And I remember talking to my friend in Dubai. His name is Ahmed Taj. And we went to uni together. And I was sharing with him, I'm like, you know, I want to start writing again. And, uh, but I wish I had my little yellow book. My yellow book was somewhere I used to write my thoughts. And I went on and on about how I missed my yellow book and my yellow book and I lost it. And he listened to me. And after that, he smiled and he told me, Sakina, I have your yellow book. What? So I found my yellow book. <laughs> oh, okay. So I decided I'm going to write a book. Uh, that describes an era without my yellow book. And that's why this book is called My Little Yellow Book. It's an era without my yellow book. Ah, okay, okay. Nice. So um, let's not go in terms of dates. Well, that is nice. Ah, okay. It, there's a lot of thought that really came into even uh, having the title. So now let's get to dates yes. now. So um, you, in terms of, let's say, I'm, I'm trying to get a perspective in terms of like months, which year, so like the period when you were depressed, how long, how long did you stay in that season before you now came to Zanzibar? How long did you stay at Tabi? Right. Yeah. So um, at the end of 2015, I say, um, I started probably getting into it slowly. And 2016 was probably one of the worst years of my life. Mm. And uh, by the beginning of 2016 was also, there was a time that I tried to commit suicide. That's how depressed I was. Mm. And it's very hard to say it, but I want to say it aloud so that people who are in that space know that it's okay to be in that space, but it's not okay to do that. Mm. So we had we had somebody at the launch by the name Shibir Khalfan from Fikr Afia Foundation, and he gave a very good statement. He said, for every 20 failed uh, suicide attempts, there's one that succeeds. And even at the launch, I stood and I said, today I know I am part of that failed st statistics and a statistic, and I'm so grateful I am that I, it didn't succeed. And uh, and that's how depressed I was. And this is what mental health can do to you. And that's why it's that serious because I didn't even know what I was going through. I couldn't even explain myself. If you saw me outside, I was very normal. Oh. And this is yeah, this is what I went through, especially in the entire 2016. 2016 December, uh, I got this offer, and by January I was in Zanzibar, and uh, 
there was this roller coaster of adventurous journey, but I was still depressed. I was depressed, but I was now away from, from the actual physical situation of seeing the person who has caused this. Um, I wasn't around people who knew me, so nobody knew my history, so I didn't feel judged. But also sometimes this perception of being judged is within us. You know, yeah. uh, I could I could probably think, uh, you know, Marsha thinks X and Y, X, Y, and Z of me, but maybe you 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 don't even have time thinking about it. <laughs> so sometimes, exactly, sometimes it's our own perception, and that's a barrier we need to break through. Yeah, you know, we need to stop letting people affect our mental health because we are the ones overthinking. Yeah. And you know, so in 2017 this happened, and um, by it was in October where I started working in Tamani Foundation. Before that, I was working with a bunch of women who used to make products out of seaweed, and I was helping them package their products. And as I went along helping people, as I passionately worked and gave it my all, you know, I started to heal slowly. I started to see potential. Uh, I started growing with people who, who I lived with. Uh, you know, there's a very prominent lady called Fatima Alu, and I, I stayed with her. She. Um, she has established so many projects, Tamwa for one. And um, day after day, she would talk to me and counsel me. And I wouldn't know that she's counseling me. To yeah. me, I was just having a conversation with her because I lived in her house. Mm. And that helped me. And she grew me and she taught me what the beauty of Africa was about, what, what feminism was about and how to, you know, and the difference between the past and future. And these kind of conversations opened my, my heart, opened my mind and made me think that, you know, there's no limit. When it comes yeah. to yourself, there's no limit. And, there's no and, limit. and that's, yes, and that's how I just started getting back my confidence because there was a point I couldn't even look into the mirror because I'm like, I'm so useless. Look at me, you know, and my confidence started coming back. And, um, and yes, yeah, so in 20, by, by 2017, end of 2017, I was, I was much calmer. I was healing. Um, then unfortunately my, I didn't get a working permit. So I had to move to Dar es Salaam. Where, where now I really prospered. I prospered in terms of business. I was uh, part of uh, a group of companies who used to deal with real estate and I just worked hard. I was, I had a mentor. I wouldn't even say I had a boss. I had a mentor who, who taught me what business was and it was, a, it was an amazing journey. And by mid of 2018, I was just a new person. Yeah. And um, uh, I met my husband on a flight in 2017 when I was at the peak of depression. And I, I remember meeting him on a flight and uh, um, he kind of, he kept in touch with me. And for two years, he would try to, to, to just talk to me. We would talk to each other, but you know, I always knew I don't want to get into a relationship. Mm -mm. And then in 2019 is where we decided that, you know, let's go ahead with this. So he was ah. patient and kept in touch with me for two years wow. and let me heal and was also and was also very encouraging in a way where he, he assured me that coming back home, coming back to Kenya and Nairobi was a good decision. Mm. That's my home. And, and I came back in 2019 and, and, and then, you know, uh, life moved on. And in 2020, I started writing again. And that's where the book came up. And 2021, uh, here I am. That's really nice. Um, I love your story. Minus the scenario that happened in 2016, well, you are younger now, that season when you had a yellow book, uh, did you have some, some depression or that's why, and that's the place where the book really came in handy for you? Well, 
everybody goes through things on a daily basis, even as kids. You know, sometimes you can tell a kid something because you've had a bad day, but the kid is perceiving it in a completely different manner. And as a kid, you're so delicate. Uh, so yes, there were times in, in childhood where I used my book to express myself, my sadness, my grief, my happiness, my experiences in school. Like uh, my first, the way my family, I proved to my family that I'm a poet is uh, I had a friend called Halima whose mom worked at Nation Media. And my family would always say, ah, you're not the one writing these poems, you're lying. So Halima took my poem called High School and yeah. got it published in The Young Nation. And also in my poem, High School, I, I, I describe what I see in school uh, and what I think high school should be like, like don't, don't do drugs, study, you know. So in my Little Yellow Book, there were experiences that I, I went through, I felt and, um, and I expressed in my Little Yellow Book. And yet again, high school was one of, was my first poem that was actually published in the Young Nation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's just say, at, at what point in your in your season did you first call? Do you like, were you confident enough in calling yourself a poet and a writer? Uh, no, obviously not, especially when I was younger. Anyone, somebody, okay, oh, so now you're a poet. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Um, now I am confident enough. I'll tell you one thing. As yeah. a writer, I'm a bit dyslexic. I'm a bit dyslexic. Mm -hmm. So you know, when somebody tells you you're a poet and you're a writer and then you're like, no, but, you know, I wish they knew that I sometimes miss miss these words. And, you know, yeah. you start thinking about that. But when you now see people appreciating your work and you know that a lot of effort goes into anything, whether it's art, whether it's music, even music, you will compose your music, but then you'll have your music director, you know, making yeah. it better. So it's just to know that whatever you do, a team effort is always going to make it blossom. Yeah, yeah. So yes, now I say I am a writer, I am an author, I am a poet. <laughs> yeah. It 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 took you, you you did you needed to have experience, you, you had to really struggle through with the doubt in your head just to like have the confidence to call yourself a poet and a writer. So now let's talk about the book. How much how much research did you do just to make this book come together? Well, since the book is about my experiences, uh, so the book is divided into seasons where it starts with winter, it goes to autumn, spring and summer, telling you that life comes in seasons. You know, uh, you might be suffering from winter today where it's cold and you're alone, but summer is on its way, you know, and uh, you might come back to winter because it's a cycle, but you will come back stronger. Mm. And all the, all the seasons in life are actually my experiences. So you will see a lot of the times the, po the, the poems go into a flashback because I wrote it when I was a healed soul, right? But I am talking about my journey with mental health and what I suffered. So a lot of, a lot of it is me reminiscing how I felt, a flashback of how I felt, me missing places like Dar es Salaam or, or Tamani Foundation. So that's what you're going to see. Uh, in terms of research, there are two things I did. As a poet, you always want to appreciate poetry. But on the other hand, you also want to teach the layman, you know, the people who don't understand poetry, because poetry can be very tough to understand sometimes. And I don't want somebody to just say, ah, this is poetry, I don't understand it. So there are two things I did. I would uh, read out my, my poems to my sister. 
my sister is an actuary. She knows no no letters. Her huh? she even thinks in numbers. So I would read it out to her, and she'd say, "Ah, what do you mean by this?" So you know, when I tell her, "Oh, you know, when you put three dots, it means like you know you're thinking, or this is time movement." This is like what? What is this now? Just tell me what you want to tell me. Yeah. So that gave me the perspective of how somebody who's who does not understand poetry, how would they appreciate this work? Mm. Then we had, uh, then I used to consult my friend Ahmed Tach, who, who had my little yellow book. And uh, he is a, a, a very fine writer. And he would tell me, no, Sakina, you have to go more in depth. You know, you have to, you have to be more sophisticated in your writing. And you will see some of my poetry, um, you will see references from a poet like Khalil Gibran. Mm. And uh, so the book is a balance. If you understand poetry, if you're a poet, if you analyze poetry as literature, you will appreciate the poetry. But even as somebody who is a layman, you would you would appreciate the book too. Mm -mm -mm. I like the fact that you said because uh, a lot of people are, lay, are laymen. Not everybody gets to understand poetry. I, I think yeah. I'm one of those people. I'm like your sister. I'm like okay, so what do you mean? Apart from poetry, the book is very therapeutic because after every certain poems, there's a place where you can write your notes down. Yeah. You see? Mm. So after every two, three, two, two, three poems, you, you can write what you feel. You can draw it out. So it's a place where you can express. And that's yeah. what I want. I want this book to be therapy. Apart from that, when you're ending the book, you will see uh, some place called a frame of gratitude whereby I thank people who've been part uh, of, of my healing. And I want the readers to now think who has been part of their healing, stick their quick picture, write yeah. something about them. We've gone so digital that we've forgotten how to use our hands. And we forget that our hands are healing. There are pressure points here. So pick a pen, pick some art, uh, you know, pick, pick a paintbrush, do some stick work, use your hand. This is what's going to heal you. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Yeah. That's really nice because now you, you, um, in terms of your process, in terms of your research, you're also considering other people that were not ideally people who understand and analyze poetry. And it really helps yes. you to even shape the book to make the whole user experience better. So I really love the concept of the book and the way you're trying to make it as engaging as possible, writing down notes. Because yes. nowadays people don't get to write as much. It's really because now with computers, we just keep typing. But nothing can ever re replace pen and paper. Exactly. You, you, you always go back to the basics. Yeah. Always we go back to the basics. Do you journal a lot? Well, I scribble. I scribble a lot. So uh -huh. sometimes even at night, if I'm awake, I remember just having a pen and paper somewhere. I always have pen and paper on me. And yeah. now because you know everything is digital, you have your phone. If you go to the notes of my phone, sometimes after after months i'll find something i've written and i'm like oh my god this is so lovely yeah so uh yes i just keep on scribble uh, scribbling and nowadays i do a lot of artwork as well mm. you always have to grow yourself to do something different as a child i was terrible at art i used to be kicked out of my art class by my art teacher i don't blame him i was a terrible art student but the one thing that kept me alive when i was alone was art. I started mm. decorating these glass uh, glasses with, with glitter and I started selling them too because they looked so beautiful. But that's what was therapeutic to me, playing around with paint, mm. with glitter. Yeah. And, uh, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm not bad at art. I've been told I am bad at art. Mm. So let me try this out. And until now, 
I will pick a color pencil and, and, and color and it's very therapeutic. Yeah. And now I'm learning how to play the violin and oh, wow. music. Oh my God, it is something else. Yeah. It is something else. So I was actually, um, I was in talks with the band who's going to play for the launch. Mm. And um, this is headed by somebody called B. Mariam Hamdani, who is a uh -huh. very prominent figure here. And she set up the first uh, women's band in Zanzibar. Oh, wow. You know, where where she said, no, traditional instruments are not just for the men to play. Women can play too. And she, uh, you know, started playing the ganoon. And uh, and she told, told me that um, she, she teaches women and, uh, you know, musical instruments. And uh, you can give her what you feel, you, you, you know, you can. And I'm like, wow. And again, I was pushed by the lady I stay with here as well, Fatma Alu. And she's like, so why aren't you going to learn an instrument? And this time when I came to Zanzibar, I picked a skill. And the one hour I spent on the violin, it's an hour, I don't even want my phone. I even keep yeah. it in airplane mode because I'm like, I don't care who's trying to get in touch with me. This is me time. So yeah. I really urge people to get that one interest that's therapeutic to you. Even if it's five minutes of sitting and meditating, get that one place where it's just you you need it if you are yeah. not okay nobody around you is going to be okay yeah um well especially as a creative person getting to learn different skills really helps to boost your creativity so i yes, think it's, it's really working for you and because you're in zanzibar you know zanzibar is just another different it's very different from nairobi <laughs> very different from yes. nairobi so I can imagine how much creative work you can get done. Um, so um, as you're writing the book, um, what part of the book did you find the most, uh, were you most excited to write about? Yeah. Uh, funny enough, it wasn't the writing I was excited about, about it was the artwork. Mm. So what, what, what's in the book is that whenever you flip through the pages, you'll see all the artwork that's in the book is done by artists. So all the drawings, all the colors that you're going to see well, is all done by artists. And my yeah. youngest artist, um, when she submitted her work, was probably two and a half, three years old. Uh, well. That's the youngest artist. Yes, and I'm, I, I have my, uh, my niece who's about uh, three years old who gave her work. And I have an eight-year-old who gave him her work. And that was the best part for me. That's what made this book so personal. It wasn't just writing, but it was a creative compilation of mm. poetry, of art, of color. It was, um, that's what was most exciting, putting it all together. Because yeah. also, I'm, I'm colorblind, by the way. There's some colors I can't tell. But when I see that I have produced a book full of color <laughs> and full of artwork, I feel, yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> if I can do this with art, anybody else can do anything in this world. Yeah. So that was my favorite part, compiling the artwork. Um, I think also getting uh, wherever you're going to see their notes, you know, you're going to see that there's a little writing at the top where yeah. people have given in their experience. Yeah. So everywhere, every time you're going to read, um, uh, I'll, I'll read you one, for example, and this is by somebody called uh, Kalisa Valji, and she writes, look inside you, all the answers lay within, trust yourself, you are your best teacher, you are your strength. So I got little uh, quotes from different people, from different walks of life and put it in the book. And that is what's beautiful about the book, that you yeah. know, it shows you that one, mental health 
is a priority for everybody, male, female, young, old, everybody. Yeah. And uh, and everybody should express. And I've I've given them that platform to mm. to express. That that is yeah. that was my favorite part, bringing together everyone in in the process of making this book. You mentioned you had mentioned you you started writing the book sometime in 2020 after you had lost your job. So I'm imagining yes. you you took you took artists. Um, how many artists did you have for your book? That's first question. And then the second question uh -huh. is, um, how many how many like you can give a feature of like all the artists all the artists you have on your book? And then like how long did it take you to compile? Because we're in 2021. You did all that in yes. how many months? <laughs> so first I finished the writing. That's what I did first. I never concentrated on any any artwork per se. Mm -hmm. uh, so I must have started writing in April 2020. And um, I finished writing in about, let's say November 2020. Now also because I'm somebody who's very, very organized and you've mentioned that. Yeah. I do not like sitting free. If I'm free for an hour in a day, I feel useless. So it kept me very focused, my writing. I'm like, okay, today I need to write about this. And and, and I did mm -hmm. it. And you know, that's where uh, a lot of writers fall back. Cause you're like, I need to be in the mood of writing. But yeah. luckily for me, I love it so much that whenever you tell me to write something, I will sit and write it down. So that's what mm -hmm. assisted me. Uh, and I had the time. Uh, then after November, I started, I, I spoke to my designer, uh, Alia, Alia Sharif, and I gave her the concept of the book. And, and my friend Zara, who was uh, super amazing at art in high school, and she's the one who gave me different ideas for my book. And I'm so grateful to her. This is my childhood friend. We used to have like sleepovers together. And now she's a mom of, uh, of two. And she's the one who assisted me with the, with the creative side of it. She gave me ideas on what to do. She gave me people to work with. So we have... Uh, uh, Velma Andisi, who is an art teacher, and a lot of the prominent deep artwork is done by Velma. Um, then we have my sister Mahjubin, we've got uh, her daughter Alana, three-year-old, they, they gave them their artwork. I have a very good friend of mine who's about, uh, uh, must be about 10 years old now in Dar es Salaam, she gave it her artwork. Um, I have my my princess back home who I play with, her name is Inaya and she's my, my uh, husband's niece. She gave in her artwork. Um, I had people in Canada, there's, a, there's somebody who used to take just pictures on her phone. And yeah. she sent me pictures of, uh, of, this, uh, of spring over there and autumn and, uh, you know, uh, Zinat Muhammad. And I'm grateful to her because she was part of the process as well. Mm. And uh, it was just a big creative process, getting photos, getting pictures and then turning them into, into artwork. Wow, wow, that's really nice. Uh, I can imagine the amount of people involved in this book. It's it just it just makes the whole book look rich, and it's something that anybody would want. Like the three-year-old who submitted her artwork. Really, that's really nice. Yes. Even got young people to uh, get yeah. involved in this book. Yes, and you can see it's like stick work. It's a stick work of a tree. Oh, that's and wow. that's by Inaya Melji. Yes, and then we have uh, um, Alana Poptani, who is my niece, and she did the Tree of Life. Wow, wow. So this, according to me, this is what brought the book to life. Yeah. This is what brought the book to life. It's the involvement of so many hands and with, with passion. Everybody was passionate uh, about what they were doing. 
So as a person who's a planner, um, I can see your creative process. When you decide, you're those polu and you decide to do something, you just do it. Um, the biggest challenge with creative people is we tend to rely a lot on inspiration, which never really happens when you want it. Um, what are some of the things that you have been able to do that have really helped you during this season? Because you see, you started writing in November. I'm not sorry, you started you, you, yeah, within a span April. of like three months in April, with a span, within like a span of four or five months, right? Four or five months. Uh, so it like, took me about eight, eight months to compile everything. Eight months. And I've probably written books ever since they were born. Like they've never, they've never gotten to finish any book. So for you to just decide to write a book and finish, like when you get the idea to write my little yellow book, you 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 picked the idea and you wrote it to the end. What are some yeah. of the things that really, the disciplines that you put in as a creative person to really help you finish? Because a lot of us, we have a lot of unfinished work in our laptops and everything else, but we never get to finish. What really yeah. helped you as a creative finish? Having a schedule. Uh, I'm somebody who wakes up very early in the morning. Um, I, sometimes I wake up at uh, it's quarter to four and in the morning, meditate, uh, you know, uh, pray. Then I'll have my, I, I'm a forex trader. So I, I trade, I do my farming and keeping to that schedule and including my writing in that schedule, knowing that for two hours, if I'm not going to write, I am going to research. If I'm not going to research, I'm going to speak to somebody who's going to inspire me. Right, and then we live in a beautiful continent. If you just get out of your house in Nairobi, wherever you are, you're still going to see greenery. Whether yeah. you live in, in Kileleshwa, even in town, we yeah. I mean, we have our national park there, so there is inspiration everywhere. Yeah. Talk to people, you know, uh, that's where inspiration comes from. So, I remember I was, uh, um, there, there are people who who, who were with me throughout this process. Um, I have a friend called Samira Fazel and I used to go to Karura Forest with her. She loves Karura Forest. Mm -hmm. And just and she likes taking pictures of little little things over there. It must be a tree and, and butterflies and she knows like this is the area for butterflies and this is where the waterfall is. And she really inspired me because um, I mean during COVID everyone there was nowhere to go. So that's yeah. why people used to try and go to places like Karura Forest. Mm. And there I also took pictures. So there's a picture where you'll see that that tree, that's a picture from Karura Forest. Mm. Uh, I love feeding birds. So the first thing I do in the morning at about 6:30 is that I feed, I have a big bird feeder and I feed birds. And now they've all made their homes in the tree next to my farm. Mm. And just just listening to them, you know, the, the singing and chirping and it's th that's what what inspires me kids kids are a very very big inspiration to me so inaya uh, is is my little friend who used to come home and we have play dates where we play and and we and and she teaches me a lot as a child um, mm. she she is a person of her own mm. she she knows what she wants yeah. and she she knows how she's going to get there she's very directed and uh, spending time with kids is a very big inspiration for me. They, mm. they they just they make me think from my heart. Yeah. So and so that's what I do. So as a as a, as a creative person, get what inspires you. I can be at the ocean, but I could be drinking and not writing. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I could be between greenery, but I'm sitting and gossiping. Yeah. So it's your you want to get inspired. You will get inspired even sitting at home watching TV. 
Yeah. But you have to have the will of getting inspired. And mm. remember, if you want to publish a book, it's not just about being creative. There are very many mm. aspects of it. Yeah. You, you, you have to think about the PR and you have to think about the marketing. So even me, I was looking for a publisher. I, I did not know where to go. And that's where, I mean, I'm a BNI member. I was yeah. in BNI in Dar es Salaam. And then I started putting things together. Who's going to do my PR? How am I going to get this through? And I'm like, what is the first step I should do to get somebody reliable? And that's how I find, found Joyce because I went to a BNI meeting. So that was initiative, you know, initiative. Yeah. And BNI meetings are very early in the morning. You know, they're at six in the morning. And, I, mm. and I'm like, no, I need to go as a guest to see, do I, is there anybody who will benefit me? And I found people yeah. who benefited me. And, you know, I found Joyce, obviously, I'm a, my publisher and, and Joyce is somebody who is, is organized. And that's why yeah. I think we work so well together, just the way I am. Okay, this date, this will happen. This, 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 Joyce is just yeah. the same. Yeah. And she pushes you. Mm. So I was also grateful to have such a wonderful team uh, that, that I was working with. Yeah. I've interviewed Joyce as well in this podcast. Um, I can tell she's very organized. She's she's those planners. Yes. She I remember she, she was even mentioning that if you if she if she if she gets an idea to write a book, she just goes down to write. Me and those guys, if I get an idea to write, I I schedule when I'm going to write, but it never really happens. So I, I really get to learn a lot from creatives who who don't wait for things to happen. They just they just make it happen. Yeah, and you know when you're writing, when you're doing art, it's never a time where you're going to sit on your desk and do it. A lot of the poems I've written in the car, mm. a lot of the poems I've written maybe while sitting and uh, you know watching TV, and yeah. it's 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 something you have to have with you. And we have our phones, even if it's a text, write it and send it to someone you just know it's saved. A lot of us were in isolation. All of us were kind of like quarantine. Nobody wanted to meet anybody. And one thing I've really seen with creative work is if you create something in isolation, it can be very depressing. I think a lot of us don't get to finish what we wanted because we have this idea by ourselves writing a book. Nobody gets to know about it. But if I if, if I hear your story, I um, I can tell you always consulted, you looked for people, you let in people on your whole creative process. That's something a lot of people don't get to do. Um, so what do you have to say? Is, is that something you've, that has always been in you about including Paul in your creative work? Or it's something you came to learn later on? Because most people will be thinking like, hey, you don't pull to know what I'm working on. You know, you just want to surprise them. You know, I joined, um, I joined this um, organization called I Am Freedom, where I learned how to do forex trading. But apart from that, what they taught me how to do is how to manifest my dreams. And they said, every every time you echo something to the universe, it's going to happen. You just need to know how to echo it. Yeah. And we always cry, we are broke, we are broke. Don't cry, you're broke. Cry, tomorrow I'm going to have $100. Tomorrow I'm going to have 10K in my account. That cry is way better because that's what you're manifesting. And psychologically also, your brain will work towards that sort of a manifestation. Mm. So uh, first and foremost, I would tell any creative person to manifest their dreams. If you see, I have a I have a diary where I write down, I'm so happy and grateful that by end of May or by end of uh, July, this will happen. And I kept on writing, I'm so happy and grateful. My book is launched on the 17th of wow. July. I kept on saying 17th of July. Wow. It was launched on the 10th yeah. of July. Wow. So one, learn how to manifest your dreams. The more you're going to talk about it, you know, you're also going to push towards it happening. Now I've told you, Masha, I'm launching a book. 
you, don't you think I want to work towards it? Because I, oh my God, I'm really much now. now. <laughs> so as a person, I also feel that works pretty well. Then working in isolation for me is always a good thing. I'm somebody who has enjoyed being alone. I, I always, I feel bad for people who don't enjoy their own company. I have gone to yeah. a Chinese restaurant. So, you know, in Chinese restaurants, they don't have seating for two. <laughs> they have family seating. I have sat on a table of eight comfortably and eaten all by myself. I have stayed alone. Uh, I can go on trips alone. I love spending time with myself. And that's where my creativity is at its peak. Mm. Uh, but also, you know, as you said, it's a lonely process. I have a click of people. I, I Well, not really a click. You know, you say birds of a feather. And yeah. so even when it comes to my friend circle, you won't see me having millions of friends, but you will see me with very close, true friends. Mm. And I have friends who, who are intellectuals. Uh, then I have uh, friends who are so happy-go-lucky. But I realize every one of them brings something to, 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 to the table. Like yeah. I remember this idea of having uh, notes, uh, you know, little quotations. I was discussing it with... Uh, uh, one of my, which is my sister-in-law, but I'd say she's a really good friend of mine, Alia Velji. And she was the first one to give me a quote. She's a writer, but she does personal writing. You know, she, she, she's not into publishing. She's just, but she is such a, she expresses so well. And um, I will read out what she's written because to me, it has a deeper meaning. Yeah. And uh, Alia Velji writes, pain shall not be allowed to destroy me. You were born to see life consistently throwing you down. And you, you learning how to manage to grow into a diamond. Mm. Pressure on a coal is what creates a jewel. And I like this quote because her dad, who inspires her, his name is Diamond. Oh, oh. So how she has how she has taken him as an inspiration, you know, and, and put it in a quote. And she's the one who gave me the idea of let me take quotes from different people and include it in the, in, in the book to show that uh, a book, poetry, is not just for people into literature, it's for everybody. Yeah. So, you know, talking about my book with different people gave me different ideas. Mm -hmm. So, so talk about it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Talk about it. Talk about your dreams. Talk about it day in, day out. And that's when they're, they're going to, you know, come, come to life. Yeah. So uh, poetry is not just for individuals, it's for everybody. Um, I think I agree now with what you're saying right now. Um, it must have been a very, I think this is some of the projects that I think I'll also find to be very fun because included people, I know you're seeing your labor of love and research and everything just coming in into one beautiful book. For me, the cover just stands out for me and the title. Yeah. Um, uh, before we just talk about the cover, as you're writing the book, what was, because you've talked about the fun part of writing the book. Um, I'd assume you also had a difficult time writing the book. So this season when you're writing this book, My Little Yellow Book, what were the hardest parts? Obviously the first chapter, which is winter, where I talk about betrayal. I talk about um, being broken. I talk about living with demons. And obviously that was the hardest part because you never want to, you never even want to think about that place you are in when you are suicidal or that place you are in where people made you feel so useless or the place you are in where you were betrayed and that feeling because uh, it doesn't hurt your heart but it's something that churns your gut 
and revisiting those emotions, rethinking about situations that had had happened. Yeah. For me, obviously, that was that was the hardest, hardest thing to do. Revisiting those those memories and being able to compile the chapter winter was very difficult. It was very hard. In terms of the process, yeah. was there anything? What was the hardest thing about in terms of like the process of writing the book? Um, did you encounter any challenge that was really challenged you? Uh, well, not really, I think, because this was not a book that needed a lot of research per se, because it's my experience. So I didn't have a very big challenge when it came to content. Uh, yes, I put in a lot of effort in compiling it. And yeah. I think that's why I appreciate the process a lot. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was, it's more of effort, effort and hard work that I put in. Wasn't yeah. really a challenge. It wasn't really a challenge. Um, so uh, since it was one, it was it's a book that is uh, part of your experience. And as a writer, um, let me ask because you, you had really like there's a book you had published um, before yeah. when you were younger. Right now, do you have any other unpublished works that are still in the in the kitchen? Uh yes. So we don't well, know. my first book, the. The, the epitome of sacrifice was the first one. My little yellow book is, uh, is, is the one that's published. And if you, when you get your copy of the book, there is the elements of us. This is my next project. And being on the beautiful island of Zanzibar, I've already started uh, you know, penning down uh, and uh, writing, writing poems. I think I'm, I'm, I've already about six poems, six, seven yeah. poems down. Wow. Well, I like your process. I think you, it's like you get into the flow so easily. Do you ever get, uh, as a writer, do you ever get a writer's block or those are not things you get to experience? Have you, what does a writer's block mean to you? And do you experience, have you ever experienced a writer's block? You know, it's very interesting you, you, you asked me this because when I was in high school, I remember reading and analyzing a poem in, in literature class on a writer who wrote about having a writer's block. Ah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's so cool. This guy took, you see, this is what I'm saying initiative uh, is. You have a writer's block, but you're also writing down what you're feeling when you're having a writer's block to express oh. you're having a writer's block. Yeah. And that I think has inspired me throughout my life to say, even when I'm a place where I don't want to do something, I can still express that I don't want to do it. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. And uh, and I you're only doing something. A, you're doing even doing nothing is doing something. Yeah. And I remember I uh, my classmate Sarah, uh, our literature teacher used to tell us, okay, just shut your eyes and think about nothing. And she would say, but how can you think about nothing because you're still thinking about thinking of nothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thinking about it, okay. you know, oh, that's and, complicated. Yeah, and I mean, you're in a literature, you're in a literature class, so you're with just mad people in, in a place, creative. So, and and that really told me something that even when you have a writer's block, write about it, express what you're feeling. It's just an expression. Don't think I am writing poetry. Just think I'm expressing. Mm. So for me, a writer's block only comes when I don't want to express my emotions. Like when I was in a state of depression, I used to write and I used to throw it away. <clears throat> but writing, I found, made me more depressed because I kept revisiting uh, those emotions. So I stopped writing. So it wasn't a writer's block. It was me not wanting to confront my emotions because as a writer, I can never write what I don't feel. 
I will yeah. only write what I feel. So yeah. I stopped writing because I didn't, I did, I was, I was battling depression on my own, and I told myself I'm going to get out of this situation. I don't know what it is. I didn't know it was depression. Um, I don't know why I can't sleep. I don't know why this, but I'm going to fight it. And in my effort of fighting, I stopped writing because mm. writing was taking me deeper into my emotions. Mm-mm-mm. So that's probably how I would express my writer's block. It's it's not a writer's block. It's an emotional block. It's me blocking out what I feel. Ah, yeah. I like the way you described it because a lot of creative people really get to experience these creative blocks and... Um, what you're saying is even if you're having a block, do something about that block, like write about what the block is all about. And then I think as you keep doing what you're doing is you will, something else will open up. It will like transition to something else. So by, so what you're trying to say, by, by consciously um, agreeing not to do the work, that is what you call a block. It's more of like an emotional block for you. Yes, and the one thing I would like to add is that always remember energies, energies are transferred. So my music teacher, Bimari Mohamdani, taught me this. She told, she told me, if there's a day you don't have time to practice the violin, open your violin case and just touch it. That's it. And put it back mm. But it's that energy and that you've exchanged with your violin that, no, I still know you're here and I'll come back to you. And mm. even mentally, you will tell yourself, I need to do this. Yeah. So even if you have a writer's blog, touch your pen. Go read one of your old poems. Be be in be in touch. Be connected. Show up, show up. Even if it does nothing ever comes out of it, but just at least you've shown up. Yes. Uh, I think yes. that's really encouraging because even for me, um, the projects are are completely blocked. I don't know what to do. It's even a bit depressing because now you're wondering, okay, honestly. And then you know, as an artist or as a, as a creative person, you always have this pressure. Like you have your own standards. You know, you have your own standards you've set for yourself of how you don't want your poems to look like or you don't want your work to look like. And then every time you keep showing up for the work, nothing ever comes out. And then the thing about creativity is the day you get those ideas, like something you have labored for seven months just appears five, like in 10 minutes you have done probably a lot or in 20 minutes. So that's, yes. I think that's the most challenging thing about creativity. That's I've never really gotten to understand it. Yeah. So are you, in terms yeah. of, do you ever get those last minute, um, last minute ideas that just come, maybe like you've, you've been planning to write this book for eight months, you've been writing, but then this particular season, I think you just sit for one hour, you've written three books. Do you ever have those kind of moments? Yeah, obviously. Every creative person has this, this burst of creativity, energy, yeah. and ideas that just comes to you all of a sudden. And it normally happens when you're, you, when you're having um, an extreme emotion in your life. You're either very happy, and that has inspired you to just be so creative, you, you have fantastic ideas, or when you're really sad, uh, and you're really sad, and uh, those emotions come out in form of expressing in terms of writing art or music. So every yeah. time you have an extreme emotion, expect a burst in energy, which will lead yeah. to, to creativity. Yeah. Um, so since ever since you wrote uh, the My Little Yellow Book, uh, what significant way has the book changed your life? So, so for me, this is not just a book. It's actually, an, an, I, don't, I wouldn't call it an industry, but I'm, I'm getting into mental health. I want to, I'm out there to just try and help everybody going through a mental health 
uh, issue. And, uh, you know, in, in, the, in my effort of doing that, I have a website, www.sakinataki.com, where I have uh, a lot of information on mental health. I have different counselors on it. And every Thursday, 4.30 on Instagram, I have an IG live session with therapists who talk about, we've spoken about depression, we've spoken about bipolar disorders, we've spoken about parent-child communication, how important it is to have courage, identity. And um, these are ways I want to reach out to people through my book. So, mm. and, and in the process of doing that, I myself have discovered a lot about myself and I have learned how to understand people. So obviously when you have a therapist that you're talking yeah. to, uh, a lot of the times your questions will also be generated from what you want to learn, right? So yeah. when I talk to them about how can I make a certain communication better, I want to put a point across how do I do it, mm. uh, you know, and, and, and you learn from them and you realize you're not doing this for the audience. Sometimes you're doing this for yourself. You're just having a bigger crowd listen to it. But more than anybody, if you're not going to listen to what they have to say, nobody yeah. is going to listen. Mm. And like that, I'm starting to understand people. I'm starting to understand their reactions. I'm starting to, to realize as well that from a toxic situation, you can just back out. You know, there, there's so many things you can do uh, uh, in in uh, in effort to show that you know I, I don't really want to be in that space. So mm. I myself am learning a lot in terms of mental health through this book, and since I've started the process of, mm. of uh, you know giving it out to people, yeah, and in an effort of helping others, I am honestly helping myself. Helping yourself, yeah, really works. Um, because now the book, the book is really opening up. The thing about uh, putting out your creativity, like putting out something, is the more you put it out, you get to learn a lot of things. As you like, as you write and as you give people your book, you become a better person. As you do the interviews, I think I've seen, I've seen a few of those interviews you've done. You, you do them on Instagram as well. Um, they're really informative, and uh, just keep doing what you do. I think uh, you're doing an amazing job. So congratulations as well. Thank you so much. Yeah. So uh, what, as a writer, what risks have you taken that have really paid off? Obviously, um, getting out of toxic situations. I've never feared. Never feared. As I said, I packed my bags. I came to Zanzibar the first time, and I slept in my office space for four four nights. Um, yes. So I would tell you, you know, I, I would, this is a message I'd give anyone. Have no fear. The only person you should fear is the almighty. The rest yeah. are all human beings, all human beings. And um, you will only go as far as you push yourself. Mm. So, so be bold enough to do what you want to do, not what the society wants you to do. Um, keep the relations that are not toxic for you. You yeah. know, if you are in a toxic relationship, nobody is holding you to be there apart from yourself. Mm. Don't think about uh, what the society will say. How will I deal with this? And how will I? Everything comes when you put effort to it. Yeah. Take life head on. Don't just survive. Live your live, life. Yeah. You don't know when the last day is gonna be for you. So every day, just live and not fear. I like it because I think your lack of fear. Um, your fearlessness has really caused you to do a lot. You see now you're, you're influencing people with the kind of books you had. Others would have just stayed there being depressed, probably even have been successful in terms of committing suicide. You know, we wouldn't have gotten to know your story. 
So just be fearless, do what you can. Um, I like I like your advice in terms of that. Um, so I, I want to talk about the cover. Um, like how did you get to design the cover? Because from what I get from your book is it is a very thoughtful book. Everything, I even imagine yes. the font was thought about, uh, the spacing, like you maybe even had measured from this side to this side. Like I think everything <laughs> in your book is intentional. The full stops, the number of full stops or commas, <laughs> can imagine. I mean, in point... You know, in poetry, everything matches. Even a yeah. certain how a comma is, or you know yeah. how you, you've started your sentence, it matches. Space matters. So in poetry, everything matters. So, everything uh, matters. Yes, it's, it's true. Not everything, everything. There was a thought process behind everything. Yeah. So can you take us through the the process of now creating the yeah. designing the cover? How did that come about? Yes. So I would give kudos to my graphics designer Alia Sharif again. Um, just the way I'm passionate about my writing and I put everything, little detail in place. Alia does that with, with her artwork, uh, with, with her graphics. And I'm so grateful to her. So this was the concept of the cover. When you open the book, it's morning and that's why it's yellow. And when you ah. will end the book, you will have a sunset. So ah. your life, you can start and end in the morning, you can start in the morning and end it in the evening with a sunset. What? That's so amazing. the cover is so the cover is actually a day, oh, and because it's seasons, yeah. The, sh ah, the chapters are are, are in oh, seasons, and, oh, and the book okay. cover is during is it's it's day and evening. Ah, wow. Okay. Huh? Yes. Huh, you really? Oh, okay. Now I get to appreciate that book a lot now. Yes, um, because you can feel all these emotions that you have: excitement, happiness, sadness, all in a day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's true. Makes yes. sense. Makes sense. It's actually a day. Wow. 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 Really nice. Because for me, I, I really love the color. Let me ask by then something I didn't ask. Is there a particular reason or it was just coincidence that your book was yellow? The book used to write your poems when you were younger. Is it because yellow is your favorite color or it was just a coincidence that you had a yellow book? Did it have to be yellow? I think was it was it only it was a just yellow a book. It was just a coincidence. <laughs> it was it, it was just a coincidence. I, I was young. I wanted something fancy where I could write my book. And uh, I'm not a fancy person. I'm very messy. Um, uh, you know, even the way I, I dress half the time, I'm, I'm stressed in t-shirts and hoodies and stuff. But yeah. for, for my writing, I always wanted something special. So I bought mm -hmm. this uh, uh, expensive for my pocket money budget, <laughs> yellow book, fancy yellow book to write my yeah. poetry in. So you start this whole publishing process, uh, you do all the changes, the corrections, the book, you, the book comes together, you come up with the concept of the cover, the sunset, the sunrise and the sunset, the whole day concept, and now you've given it to the publisher, so they compile everything. When you received the book, the hard copy, for the first time, will you explain what was happening? What was going through your head at that time? Uh, and excuse me if I become a bit emotional at this point, but... Um, when, I received, when the book was out, I was not in Nairobi. So uh, Joyce was the one who, who was so excited to, to you know, hold the book in hand. But uh, uh, a copy was sent to me in Dar es Salaam by bus. And um, I remember going in a tuk-tuk very far away, like the river road of, of Dar es Salaam to collect my book. Yeah. And uh, I got that book and uh, I sat in the tuk-tuk. I lost my dad when I was five years old. And um, 
I, I honestly, I don't really remember him. I was five. I was very young. I know how he looks because of pictures and the stories that I've been told by my family. But when I held that book in hand and I sat in that tukuk, for a moment, I closed my eyes and I just felt his embrace. I just mm-hmm. felt it. And I have never, ever felt that in my life. Mm-hmm. Never. Even in the deepest, darkest um, you know, points of depression, even in my happiest moments, I have never felt that. And mm. I just felt him embrace me because probably at that time I felt, I felt very alone. I was away from home. I was away from everybody who, who was there when I was compiling the book. Mm. And, and that, and I, I, I remember tearing and I opened my eyes and then I realized, oh, I'm in a tuk-tuk. I'm, I'm on my way, uh, you know, home where I stay in, in Dar es Salaam. And and I couldn't explain what had just happened. I was in shock. I was in awe. I was happy. I was sad. Yeah. And, uh, but it was the most beautiful, beautiful feeling. Mm, wow. Knowing that he's there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's really beautiful. Um, yeah. I can imagine uh, a labor of love. I, that means this book really opened a lot of things, a lot of emotions for you. So in as much as you want, the readers will experience their own whatever. Uh, you are also, as an author, you have gone through a process of transformation and that is really commendable. Now, um, so you've written this poetry book, you've published, you have all these emotions going through your head. Yes. So what? What do you want um, someone now? Well, let's talk about me now. Anybody else who's reading this book, like what's your intention with the readers who get to read your book? My initial intention is for them to understand what they are going through in their lives. It could be happy, it could be sad. Um, any emotion, it's very important for you first to realize yourself what you are going through. If you're in a space that you don't think you should be in, you won't be able to do anything about it until you realize yeah. it. And and once you've realized it, how how does that realization come about? By interacting. When you interact uh, with the, the notes segment of the book, when you interact with sticking pictures of people who you're grateful for. Yeah. So my objective is first the process of realization, mm-hmm. knowing exactly what you feel, now that I feel this, now this is what I'm going through. Now this is what I have. What do I do about it? Now that's where the continuity process starts. Get in touch with me. I am there. I listen. I will listen to you. I will guide you. I want to embark on this uh, um, this venture where I bring healing processes to people, where you can sit at home and say, mm-hmm. "Today I'm feeling like this. Let me do this. It will heal me better. Let me do this. It will heal yeah. me better." That's what I want to do. I don't want to dwell on my my depressed story. I want to dwell on how did I heal because that's what's important. Mm. So once you've realized uh, you're going through something, then you connect and you express it. Mm. You express it to somebody else. You express it to you know to, to yourself. Now, mm. how are you going to change that situation? That's yeah. why I have a, bun- a list of counselors, a list of therapists, a list of coaches uh, on my website because don't just talk to me. I am somebody who experienced it. Talk to the experts. Mm. You know, come and then I've, I've, at the end, I've also shown this is what you can do. You can connect to my IG live every week. You're telling me you don't have money to go to the therapist? Fine, come, come on IG live and ask all the questions you want to ask. Yeah. Nobody's stopping you. 
So this is what I want to do. Apart from just making you realize, and then you say, okay, now I know I, I'm depressed or I know I have this uh, you know, symptom. Now what? There's a continuation process. Realize it, express it, talk about it, change it, and write your own story. What do you think are some of the common traps that um, aspiring authors really fall into? Because I remember you, you mentioned somewhere in your Instagram, you've always wanted to have yourself published. So you've always had this yeah. dream and aspiration to be published. And I can imagine, many people really want to be published. I know the people who've had gifts, but no, they're just looking at those uh, dreams and they're like, hey, me, me, I don't know if I can write again. So what do you think are some of the common traps that aspiring authors really fall into? One is overthinking. Ah. One is overthinking. Before you've written your first chapter, you're thinking, how will I be my publisher? What am I going to do? How am I going to do the launch? Everything falls into place. You do what you're supposed to do at that particular time. If it's to write your book, you write your book first. So don't overthink a situation. Go for your dream. You will only dream when you close your eyes. You cannot be afraid of a nightmare if you haven't even shut your eyes to sleep yet. Yeah. So that's my first advice to you. Do what, what you have to do at that particular time. That's one. Two, if you want to be published, prioritize it. Make sure you give an hour a day of your time to just the way I said, if I wouldn't write, I would read. If I wouldn't read, I would research. I would talk about the book. I'd do something related to the book, that particular hour. So that way as well, you are, you are mindfully setting some time out for your publication. So make sure you're mindful about it. That's mm. number two. Number three, don't, don't keep on putting yourself down. As by the way, creative people, you, you know, you can read one of my, po uh, my poems and say, wow, this is beautiful. And I'm like, uh, no, I don't think I don't so. like it. Yeah. Believe, believe, believe in yourself. At the end of the day, what you write today, you will probably appreciate it after a couple of months. Yeah. So believe in yourself. Don't throw away those bits and little bits and pieces that, that you write down. Mm. Uh, I mean, look for, don't be too bougie when it comes to inspiration. You don't have to take a trip to to Diani or Zanzibar to get inspired. Inspiration yeah. is all around you. Don't yeah. take that as an excuse. I think we take that as an excuse. You know, just just think of a process that that will that will calm you, mm. and and uh, try try and engage in that. My, my next book, The Elements of Us, it talks about the elements um, you know that we have: wind, fire, earth, water. Every every person connects to an element. I find my element is water. I connect best with water. Find out through experience what's your element. Connect with that element. It will it will kind of spark your energy of creativity. Is there any poet that you look up to? Uh, Khalil, Khalil Gibran. His poetry is just something else. Uh, uh, Khaled Husseini is my uh, favorite author. Mm -hmm. uh, the way he he creates vivid imagery in his books is is something else. Uh, I I don't know if there's a woman who doesn't like Jackie Collins. <laughs> that woman yeah. can twist and turn stories. <laughs> and uh, uh, and I I read a lot of uh, autobiographies uh, as well. So I think um, I from from what I've from the, the books that I've read, uh, I've loved the autobiography of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And when you read this, you get a lot of writing styles. 
mm. uh, you get a lot of ways of okay i can use a flashback here i can use you know the theme of this here so mm. as a writer it's also very important to um to to, to appreciate uh, people's people's work like uh, mm. Uh, this Percy Shelley. Percy Shelley is 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 uh, is a poet, and one of his poems called Ozymandias yeah. uh, was one of my favorite poems when I when I was in high school because he talks about how uh, he talks he talks about the ruins of the pyramid in mm. in that poem, and but you know how they're so broken, yeah. but they are they still stand firm and yeah, uh, yeah appreciating you know people's work will, will grow you better and will show you where your weak points are and where you can strengthen your mm. uh, your grip yeah nice i hope i can um, do as much creative work as possible not only yeah. write i hope i can i can get out there and uh, play the violin professionally one day um, yeah. you know or, or use it as therapy for people i wish i can get my artwork out there uh, no matter how amateur it is at the moment so yeah. i wish to do as much creative stuff with a cause of yeah. healing people yeah. that's my mission my mission yeah. is not i want fame because i've published so many books my mission yeah. is uh, i want to heal how can i do that and that's what i'm learning how to do as well i i, I hopefully will be undertaking um, a training next month where i would learn how to become a mental health first aider and that's mm -hmm. step one and, yeah. and i want to get into a space where i can now help people professionally not just with my experience but with uh, professional uh, professional help. help yeah that's nice so um to be a better writer now what are some of the things what would you give up to be a better writer um what i would give up to you that that's that's a good question distractions this instagram nowadays <laughs> You're, you're creating content. You know, scrolling you're getting through. Getting inspired. Yeah, I know. That's what you're telling yourself. And you're like, oh, but this reel is so nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized, because I'm not, I, I was not a social media junkie before. Um, I, I was not even on Instagram before. And now I wake up in the morning and I'm like, how many likes? <laughs> and, I, you know, that's something we need to stop yeah. doing. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, um, I think stick stick more to schedule. Um, if I may say, stick more to schedule. Plan better, especially. I've realized when you're doing a lot of promotions, when you're doing your Instagram lives, you need to plan way in advance. And uh, uh, gratefully, once I've I've launched my book, and now I'm getting to meet new people. The planning is even getting better because you can't book an appointment and someone say, ah, "See you tomorrow." It doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, if to do an IG live, people are like, "Okay, fine. I'm booked until next month." So. Yeah, so planning better as well. That's that. That's one thing for sure. I would say would will never stop. And social media as well. <laughs> social media can get yeah. Social media is not stopping. But you're an author. Yeah. You need a Just brand. Just we should use it in a night way. <laughs> in the right way. And, so and that you means... know, you you tend to look at other people's content and say, ah, these guys, the way they're doing it, it it's so nice. Yeah. Let, let me try and do something similar or get inspired by it. Yeah. So I think it's just it's just finding a balance to find how because the same social media can be distracting. You're supposed to be writing yes. those two hours you've set every day to write. You're always on Instagram. When you think you're getting inspiration, you just end up watching videos or you're just watching other things that wouldn't really help you. So I think it's the whole part of also discipline, planning better and also yes. sticking to your plan. That means as an yes. author, you've Googled yourself. Have you now that you are published, people are seeing you on Instagram on you have a website. Do you Google yourself at times? 
<laughs> no, because every time I Google myself, there's this YouTube video comes up of me giving a, a speech of graduation. And uh, um, I, I was very young. I was so energetic. And I just feel like, oh, my God, I, I should have done this better. <laughs> so I tend not to Google myself. <laughs> that means you're not there for the same. Uh, no, I'm here for a cause. I want to change people's lives and I am going to do it with yeah. all my heart. That's nice. Um, who has been the biggest support of your work? Uh, I would say my sister. Uh, my sister Mahjubin has been the biggest supporter of my work since I was uh, a child and the biggest critique too of, of my work. And that's how I've, I've always gotten better with what mm -hmm. I do. Yeah, so she's she's probably my biggest inspiration. She's my go-to person. Um, she's the person I would do anything in this world for. I, I think I've gotten a lot of information in terms of your book. And now I really want to read that book because for me, you know, sometimes when you listen to someone's story, you get to appreciate, you know, you took different people, like the two-year-old, the five-year, whatever, the 10-year-old yes. to draw. You did a lot of research. It's a labor of like close to almost a year, like eight to 10 months. Uh, you yes. even took a lot of time to do the launch. Um, you, 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 you went through the whole thought process of just making sure the book is something people will get to appreciate, something that will stay in people's shelves for a long time. Uh, not that you got published, it was always your dream. How did you have you have you gotten to celebrate that small that big win? It's not even a small win. Have you celebrated so far? Yeah. Let me first tell you: when you are launching the book, to you, it's not something big. Um, you will not realize what you've done until probably two to three days after the launch. After you have, you are not busy anymore. You 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 sit down and then you're like, did that just happen? Yeah. Did I just do that? <laughs> That's when the realization comes of, oh my God, I, I launched a book. Mm. And, uh, um, and well, in terms of celebration, I, I always say, for me, celebration is gratitude. Yeah. Uh, when I sit um, in the evening in my, in my uh, you know, place of worship, or, uh, and I close my eyes, and I give gratitude to God, I give gratitude to everybody who's been there, even if they don't know it, that I'm giving them gratitude. Yeah. But giving gratitude and just wishing them positive energy and vibes, mm -hmm. that's, that's been my biggest, biggest celebration. Yeah, biggest celebration. Thanks. Uh, so, so far, so good. We've had people who bought the book. What are some of the, what are some of, what are some of the things people are saying about the book? Uh, from people who bought it so far, so good. Um, what are some of the reactions? Yes. So I had I had my friend uh, David Kimani who who was one of the first people to purchase the book and he's just like ah I can't <laughs> it is just a turmoil of emotions he's like no 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 I can't like he reads it and then he leaves it and then he reads it again and then he leaves it so um, it's a roller coaster of emotions don't yeah. rush through the book uh, you know take your time with it um, I've gotten a comment that says that they they appreciate the writing and the concept of journaling. Uh, which people are really, really enjoying. Um, somebody has said you you kind of summarized the emotions of life into into one book. So mm -hmm. I'm grateful that people are actually enjoying the read. And uh, when I'm in, in in Nairobi or wherever I go, and uh, where I when I do um, events and uh, gatherings, I will be able to give people this free Kitenge bag 
Um, so I only I have a limited edition. So the first probably first fifty, yeah. uh, when you come to my my events and my gatherings, you'll be able to get a Kitenge bag with your book. Yes. Uh, so after now you've gotten all this feedback from people. It's a whole roller coaster of emotions from people. People appreciating the work you're doing. So what now? How are you? What are you? What are your thoughts now after listening to all these things? Now you've launched. Guys are buying. People appreciate the labor and the work that you've put into. So how are you now? How are you feeling? Uh, obviously, uh, again, there's a feeling of gratitude because people are appreciating my work. But uh, this is where I say, this is not where it ends. Yeah. I, the launch of the book is not the end. It's just the beginning. I've literally mm -hmm. just planted the seeds. Now mm -hmm. it's up to me how I'm going to uh, water it, how I'm going to shed it, how I'm going to grow that into fruits of labor. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's exactly what I'm trying to do. This is just the very beginning. My journey is very, very long. And I can see your attitude is in the right place because you know sometimes you do something that is really good as a creative person and it gets into your head. So by the time you're doing the next project, you're like, eh, hey, how do I even get this one out? Because I'm imagining from <laughs> self-published your first book. You remember the first book you self-published? It took yes. you a while before you now got to publish this. So now you've done yes. work that is really good. People now are expecting something that is way out of this world for the next book. So I can imagine the kind of pressure you have as a person. So I, yeah, well, you know, something... one thing is I've never, I've, I've never been in the pressure of other people. I think I'm in my own pressure. <laughs> like I, I want to prove myself to me. <laughs> yeah. So you can, I can imagine what you're thinking right now, because now you've done something that is extraordinary. You know, you have all these ideas. So why are you going to get these other ideas? You're like, okay, so what do I do? How, how do you handle some of this pressure that comes to you to, to, to do better than uh, your previous at work? Well, first of all, I, I don't feel pressured uh, because I find that every project you're going to do is going to be completely different. Um, if, if I'm doing, uh, like, I really want to do some workbooks for adults. Um, and that is going to be completely different from the poetry book. So mm -hmm. everything has its own charm. It's yeah. like when you see, you know, just the way I say, I, I'm so attached to kids. Every kid you will see is completely different. Their personality, the way they behave. It's completely, and, and that's how I see my creative projects as well. And because, you know, what you pointed out, I don't do this for the money. So I'm not out there saying, no, no, no. You know, I want this one to make like 10,000 copies. And no, I'm here for a cause. Am I, yeah. am I, really, uh, am I really fulfilling what I'm here mm -hmm. to do? Once I do that, for me, uh, I've achieved nirvana. Mm -mm. I'm not in competition with anybody. Mm. I I don't feel like that. I don't feel I'm in competition with anybody. I'm mm. I just I just do me. Yeah. And yes. I think that's that's when you enjoy your work. Yeah. That's when you enjoy your work because every time you will work in like the, the corporate world, there's competition. Yeah. Right. And that's when you're like, oh, I want to do better. But here you're just you're just doing your cause. You're just you're just doing what your heart wants you to do. And and that's when you wake up every morning saying it's it's a Monday, not a Monday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get it. So now I want you to speak to the to the author, to the aspiring author, someone who's listening to you now, and someone who is probably like you. Before now, you got published. Uh, someone with this great ideas. You know, you have this potential. People have always been telling you as a young person, you do have this gift. 
this particular gift could be drawing, painting, whatever it is. And now you're just here wondering, okay, now you have no idea how to let it out to the world. What are some of the, yeah. what advice would you have for such a person, this creative who is now, who's just there wondering, okay, I want to be as awesome as Sakina is, but I just don't know what to get, how to get there. Well, it, it always starts small. You know, just the way I said, my first, uh, uh, I was first published in The Young Nation. That's how it started. Then I started publishing poetry in my community um, uh, magazine. Uh, it was called the Al Asr magazine. And that's where it starts because that's where your confidence will be built. Even as an architect, you're not going to go and build the Burj Al Arab in one day. You will start off with little, little projects. So start small, you know. Uh, Try and have gatherings at home with family and friends where you talk about poetry. Uh, if you're a writer, get your friends together and do some artwork. Um, and, 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 and start off, just start off. The important part is starting off. Yeah. And you will see how one thing leads to another. Yeah. That's what's important, one thing leading to another. So even yeah. if it's individually with friends, kick started, and you'll see how ideas will just come and generate. Yeah. So just start. <laughs> I think it, it all boils down yeah. to starting. Um, don't overthink guess, it. <laughs> don't overthink it. And it's a habit most of us really have about overthinking. Um, do you have any particular advice for writers specifically? Um, Write from your heart, write for a cause. Um, don't have too, ma too many materialistic uh, attachments to your work. Uh, creativity can be very, it can, be, it can really push you down if you're in it for the money mm. or if you're in it for the fame. Mm. But if you're in it for the cause, you will enjoy the process and it's all about enjoying the process. There's mm. never a finish line getting to the finish line is is what life is about mm. so may you know make it beautiful make it enjoyable so when mm. you reach the finish line people can remember your journey and you can appreciate it too yeah make it beautiful don't be in it for the materialistic <laughs> that's that's really hard um yeah. even as you wind Especially up for now, kenyans we don't understand that <laughs> we want money you're telling me it's <laughs> going to be me. i'm making a book to get money what are you telling me how will, how you, will I pay you, that? You will, find, you will find that it's very difficult. If you think just having a book at, at, uh, at a store is easy, know that when you keep it in a store, they will take 50% of what you, what you earn. In that 50%, will you be able to pay a publisher? Will you be able to, um, to, make, to make a living? Would you, you know, there's so many factors. So if you do it for the money, you will feel demotivated. I'm not telling you you're not going to get out of you will yeah. but it will demotivate you if yeah. you bring it for a cause your doors will be open you will yeah. meet people who will you will see eventually things are just working out mm. also something i've also seen that works for other creatives is initially when you're starting when you're writing this book don't pressure the book to bring you the money have a certain have a side yes. income that brings in the money so that you're free to just like express yourself well if you want to buy the book how does someone go about it yes and how much does it so, go for? All right. So at the moment, if you go to www.nuriakenya.com, you can purchase the book and it will be home delivered. 
the more at the book at the moment the book goes for 1200 kenya shillings mm -hmm. if you're in tanzania and you want a copy you can always call tessin sharif her number is uh, +255 787 599 999 now if you're anywhere around uh, the globe you can uh, order it on amazon the yeah. kindle version is out and also the paperback version is out and um, tell you how much that is for at the moment the kindle version goes for 9.99 dollars and the paperback version goes for 14.99 dollars mm -hmm. so the book is available on With amazon anybody lessons. can order it is that is there one thing you'd want people to know i just i just want to tell everybody that it's okay not to be okay when you're in a bad situation everybody has been there everybody's going through it you're not abnormal there's nothing wrong with you it's okay to be in that space and i've seen it faith i believe was found in faith silence and in silence when you talk about and in silence speak what you want to see Declare what you want to be, Osati. Silence, we are full of silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sing now with no delay, and sing now with no delay. Speak now with no delay. Declare now, yeah. Sing now with no delay, and sing now.